0: I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash workwithjames and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash workwithjames to get started today. My guest today is Dr. Toby Travis, who is a founder and developer of the TrustEd framework for school improvement. In addition, he is an experienced school consultant, teacher, and administrator. In today's episode, we talk about his latest book, TrustEd, The Bridge to School Improvement, that reminds educators and parents that trust is a key component for healthy, successful learning. Welcome to Lifeology.
1: Thank you, James. Great to be here.
0: I am really looking forward to that. That was a mouthful for me to say, but I cannot wait to talk more about you. How did you even know that this is something you wanted to do in life and you become this, the person to talk about trust when it comes to education?
1: Oh, I didn't. No, you know, if you would ask me, if you know, was your career ambition to become a school administrator or you know, a, an educational consultant? No, that was never on the radar. You know, back in college days. And in fact, as I've done trainings now of school administrators in many many yeah. uh, areas, one of the questions I ask: Okay, how many of you this was your career plan? And uh, hardly anyone ever ends up raising their hand. And yet we end up here. And I think most of us. You know, we we were passionate teachers, Mm -hmm. and so you get passionate in your classroom, and then you see what's going on organizationally, and you want to make a difference, and uh, and you end up in school administration, and then in that admin role, you end up helping others and reaching out to others, and some of us go on, you know, and do consulting work as well. So, no, I don't think it was ever really the plan, <laughs>
0: <That's funny. laughs>
1: but am I passionate about it? Is it yeah. important and vital work? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so glad to have an opportunity to, um, to help and encourage and speak into the lives of a lot of school mm-hmm. leaders uh, over the last few
0: years. How did you realize that trust was a key component for education and for, for a viable school setting?
1: Well, saw it, witnessed it. Mm-hmm. I remember my first teaching experience, true classroom experience. I had been a, a seminar leader and teacher and had had an itinerant uh, career for a while on um, campuses literally around the globe. But uh, my first real teaching job where I had a day-to-day class <laughs> experience, uh, I was uh, a high school teacher. And as I came into this school, um, I just saw this, this, um, this conflict and just unhealthy, dysfunctional uh, yeah. work environment between the faculty and the administration, or the faculty and the administration, right, and even mm. faculty and or teachers and parents, where it was like we're all wow. enemies. And it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're supposed to be in partnership here for that <laughs> yeah. mutual benefit of the students. Yes. And what you saw was people isolating, protecting their, their zone, as it were, and these mm. adversarial roles. And it's like, whoa. And so as I grew into leadership roles, then I, I then started to work and help others identify, we want to fix the dysfunctional nature of what's going on. And what's interesting, and we talk a lot about this, of course, in the book, is when trust gets healthy, so does okay. student achievement. So mm. does apparent volunteerism. does So does the financial uh, health of the school. I mean, administrators wow. are happy, parents are happy, kids are happy when trust levels go up. And unfortunately, when we talk about school reform, often we're talking about literacy practices or math mm-hmm. practices, you know, or it's PBL or all, the, you know, the, whatever the latest thing. And those sure. are all really important. That I mean, that's the nuts and bolts of education. But if we don't get trusted relationships right... The rest mm-hmm. of that's a waste of time, and uh, so it becomes key. Yeah,
0: I, and I want to transition to the book in just a second. But let's quantify. Or let's let's define what trust means because we all have an idea of what it means. It's probably the same. But how do you how do you measure or how do you define trust so we have a good understanding of what that baseline is?
1: Well, that is the question, and that is kind of the the challenge and the hard work when you're. Um, doing professional development or school Mm -hmm. improvement or organizational improvement based on trust is how do you quantify it what are we talking about because you know we did a word association game you know if we had a crowd (laughs) of people here and i said trust is and they would pop out we could create a word cloud uh, that would have a myriad of ideas because we talk about so many things related to it so what we've done through um uh research and practice what we call the trust ed framework as mm-hmm. we use a bridge analogy in order to get our minds around okay. us. And just like a suspension bridge has major components that have to be in place and they have to yes. be interconnected to work. Same thing is true with trust. I mean, think about it. If you have someone who is highly competent in their skill set but they're terrible in relationships. You're not going to trust them. So they they might be a great technician, but you're not going to trust them as a leader Uh if you don't have that sense of, no, they care about me. And so if I can, very briefly, there are six major components to trust that we talk about. Uh, And again, using a bridge as an analogy, there's a foundation. And here what we're talking about are beliefs and values. What are, what are the mm-hmm. beliefs and the values of the organization, of the school, or, you know, again, whatever the setting is we're talking about, and, and what are our shared beliefs and values when we're doing this in community? Mm-hmm. Then there's a substructure, and here's where we talk about skill sets that are all focused on connecting and supporting what we do, who we are, to our foundation. Okay. In other words, are we being authentic to our beliefs and values? We may say this is what we believe, but if our actions are not back, you know, it's the old saying, you know, you gotta, you, know, you can't just talk to talk. You gotta walk the walk. Well, it's yeah, exactly. it's that idea that the substructure we're connecting, we're supporting, everything we're doing to what we say we believe, our foundation. In a bridge, that has bearings. These are the movable parts. You don't really notice them. Oh, mm-hmm. You don't see them as you're driving over it. But on a suspension bridge, that bridge is always moving. Well, here, yes. what we talk about are skill sets about being involved in order to be flexible. And when I'm coaching leaders, it's this idea that you need, you must be flexible. But the only way you can be flexible in meeting the needs of your employees, of your clientele, of in the school world of, of students and parents and teachers, mm-hmm. you've got to be involved. You you can't build trust by being distant. You know, I, I, I'm i a school superintendent. I can't build trust. I can't be flexible to meet the needs of our school community sitting behind three doors of, of secretaries. I've got to be involved. I've got to be in the classrooms. I've got to be in the meetings. Uh, and then you can be flexible. But that's being the bearings of the bridge.
0: I've worked with so many people, educators, teachers, and going back to what you said earlier is... They it, it can often feel like it's very divisive. So let's say the 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 education, or excuse me, the, the administrators, or even the the school board says they have to teach one thing, and all of a sudden they're like, "Well, I want to teach, but now I'm I'm limited or feel limited in what I can do based off of now these certain parameters here." And so then th- then it becomes a, a divisiveness between administration and the teachers. And then the teachers feel stunted because they're not able to teach the kids. And then all of a sudden that creates a culture in the in the classroom that's probably isn't the healthiest. It doesn't mean they've done anything wrong. It just means they're frustrated. And then that can then trickle over to some frustration with the parents as well. So the whole cascade effect I can see as well that what you're saying is when you have the understanding of the community, this is this is what we want to do, this is our ethics, these are our morals, this is the vision and mission. And then when we have that, and then once the school or the administrators are able to really be a part of it, like you said, which I think is so important. They're able to be a part of what they teach. So therefore, there is that collaborative aspect within, you know, within the limits, of course, of what, the, of what they're supposed to teach. And then that changes the culture, not only for the school, but then that cascade effect as well goes to the classroom, classroom then goes, spreads out right. to the community as well.
1: And, and it's all based on trust. I mean, And that has mm-hmm. to be a partnership. And the healthiest schools, the most successful schools, when you look at schools that have the, the highest levels of achievement, what you find is those are also the schools that typically have the healthiest communities. And what's mm-hmm. going on there is there are myriad of pathways of, and opportunities mm-hmm. of fluid communication between parents and teachers, teachers and administrators. Yeah. Uh, you know, administrators aren't running the school in an autocratic fashion. Rather, they are trying to create as much autonomy For teachers as possible, you know, trying to get themselves out of the way. You know, I see myself as a school administrator. My job is a support job. You know, myself, the principals, we're here to make sure teachers are successful. I mean, that's the essence of the school, is the teachers. That's what the school is. It's not a building, it's not a program, it's not the curriculum. It is the teachers. So when we support them, Treat Mm -hmm. them as professionals. Now you have to make sure you're hiring professionals too. (laughs) But (laughs) then give them the autonomy. They, they Mm -hmm. know what they need to do. They know those students best. They know the kids, the, the kids needs support them. And in that supportive environment, yeah. Um, this is where trust elevates, and the results again are that 's where we see again high levels of achievement. We see high levels of volunteerism in the private school sector. you see high levels of financial support you know you 'll have wow. you know local businesses want to come alongside and and put resources mm-hmm. into a school like that uh, again volunteerism every school <laughs> oh nearly every school really yeah. gets it done through some level of volunteerism while how do you increase that increase the level of trust
0: wow i if what you're saying here, it's—I know—I'm sure this happens with many schools, but I'm hearing this. I'm like, I would like to go to the school, <laughs> whatever school this is. I would like to go to because, from what I've learned in my own life, and and I've worked in different schools as well, and. That what you're saying is, is a little bit different than what my experience is in other people. So obviously this book, Trust Dead, The Bridge to School Improvement, is something everybody needs to buy. Uh, and if you're an education, or even if you're a parent, it's so important, like like Dr. Tropy is saying, is to be able to instill that trust. Well, going back to this book itself, so who would the ideal reader be for this book?
1: Well, it, you know, the... the Kind of, the, who am I writing to? Is, mm-hmm. Would be uh, school leaders, potential school leaders, but not exclusively. Yeah, you're sure. you're right. I mean, parents need to know. Oh, this is how healthy schools sh- should be operating. Yeah. So, no, I mean, every par- any anyone has a child in their school, in a school or a school age child, uh, yeah, I think will find value in reading the book. It's really a primer. Uh, for uh, school leaders, however, whether they're division leaders or department leaders, uh, and and back to your original question about how do you how do you assess it? And I there, again look at the book uh, or go on yeah. trustedschool.org and you'll see here are these six components. But basically, what we have found. Uh, research-based elements of what are the skill sets and competencies in each of these components of that trusted bridge. And so we do know how to assess it. We can do a 360 assessment of the school leader and then build an improvement plan based on their strengths and their weaknesses as individuals and also as a school leadership team and even school-wide improvement. Um, uh, So we have an assessment tool to do that. So we got data that's informing us how, because again, you have to quantify what we're talking about. It can't just be, oh, good feelings. Good feelings, you hope, you know, will be there. But you have to do what do we you have to have action steps. What do we specifically yes, do to increase the level of trust between these critical relationships of, of stakeholders in again in the school or in a business setting um, between the clients, you know, the community. Uh, the employees, the leadership, yeah. um, because again, when that's healthy, there are all kinds. Of, it's a wonderful recipe for very good things to happen.
0: Yes, yeah, and I, we were talking a little bit in the pre-call about this, and there was um, one of the states, and I won't mention the state, but if people watch the news, don't, don't know what I'm talking about, where there was a, a county in one of these states wh- that was going to teach certain curriculum, and of course, the, what we're going to talk about today is not about the curriculum itself; it's about the divisiveness or the division between what the parents in the community said versus what the education board said. So when the parents said, we're against some of this literature and some of the things that are being taught. And so the school board and even the teachers were saying, no, we're not, They would cut them off in in the school um, when they were at at like a town hall meeting. So when the teacher, when the, excuse me, when the um, parents would speak, they were shut down by the educators. And so that created this divisiveness and, and a huge hullabaloo and then all of a sudden uh, the the potential governor for election brought it up as well and he said, well it's the teachers are the one who makes the, the decisions the parents don't and that created a whole uproar and so I think this is a wonderful I mean unfortunate but a wonderful example of how when trust is not instilled in a community then there's a huge divisiveness and a huge a huge um, chasm between parents and schools Obviously, this isn't a political show, but with that itself, you know, to hear that as as an educator, a healthy educator, what would be your thoughts about that?
1: Well, James, don't you also think when you see the national numbers of the Literally tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of parents who are leaving the public school sector and putting yeah, their children true. into private schools is because they feel they have a voice in the private school. And, um, and I'm, sure. I'm not anti public school. I do work in a private school setting, but yeah. I think, no, we need healthy and vibrant and successful yes. uh, public schools. But the same principles hold true. It has to be a partnership. So, and, and, and it goes back to philosophical moorings, you know, again, the foundation, mm-hmm. what are your beliefs and values? So, well, whose responsibility is the education of a child? Well, uh, I would believe and articulate the primary responsibility is the parent, you know, so mm-hmm. it, uh, it's my child. I'm the one that is most responsible. Right. It's in partnership. So it's it's not, and again, right, I'm, I don't want to get into politics either, but yeah, I don't personally that. believe it is the job of the state, you know, to uh, mm-hmm. you know to determine they, No, this is a partnership in community you are you're helping me raise my children um and and we need to have a collaborative effort in doing that but i i think you've 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 spotted it it that, that is a trust issue mm-hmm. um when there cannot be or there there is not um again a collaborative approach to yeah you know, what 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 are the curriculum values that we share and hold as community and um and, that, and have a voice in. When people don't have a voice, they don't trust you. No. And then don't no. be surprised if they abandon what you're doing or fight mm-hmm. what you're doing.
0: Sure, exactly. With, with everybody listening right now, can you give us one example of ways in which trust can be instilled?
1: Oh, lots of ways. Uh, I'll tell you one of my favorites is... Um, Every year at our school and all the schools that I've worked in, uh, whether it's at the committee level or at an all school level, or even with mm-hmm. parents, uh, we will establish what we call norms at the beginning of the year. Okay. And some okay. will carry over from year to year. So what, and these are basically, Hey, how do we choose to do life together? What, what are our norms of how we're going to do life together? So an, a norm that it wasn't my idea originally, but I, I garnered this from a friend probably about 15 years ago that I instituted in, in a school that was having trust issues. I said, okay, we are no longer going to allow email to be used to raise grievances. So we literally changed That's our grievance policy, our problem solving policy of the organization that you you could document the grievance, but you could not submit the grievance uh via email. You had to do it face to face. You needed to present it in person and give uh whoever you have a grievance with the opportunity to talk. And since then we've basically have had the mantra, email is for information, not issues. Well, it was transformational, James. I know uh, really? not exaggerating. Within months we saw a transformation of the school culture people were no longer blasting each other. And, it, and over the years, it also includes text, right? Course, it's like course. you may not raise an issue. You may not make a complaint or a frustration via text or via uh, email. We are going to honor relationships. We're going to honor each other. And we're going to do this face to face because we care for each other. And we know people don't behave. when it comes, They will say things with their fingers that would never come out of their lips. Well, that, Simple practice has elevated um, trusting relationships, and uh, so I mean those types of, of practices uh, when they're when they 're put into place in community uh, it, it elevates trust in how we value each other and value what we're what we 're doing so that that would be one you know small example norms just setting norms of how we 're going to do life together and then holding each other accountable that no this is how we 're going to do meetings well, here let me give you this example. Because this works for committees, whether you're in a, a church committee, a business committee, a school committee, any, you know, your work. First meeting of the year, ask everybody, what do you hate about meetings? And have them write it down. You know, oh, I hate that we don't okay. talk, we, we talk yeah. about things that aren't on the agenda. We go long, mm-hmm. we, we start late. Okay. Write all those out, then flip them into positives and turn them into norm statements. We will only talk about what's on the agenda. We will always start on time. We will never go late. And those become the norms. You then publish those on your agenda. You set a norms moderator for every meeting and remind each other, hey, this is what we agreed to. Transformational for meetings. Makes them so much healthier. Builds a level of community.
0: Well, not only that, but everyone has an input. So if everyone has an input yes, on what right. they like or don't like, then that's a collaboration right. that you're talking about, which can creates that trust. And so now these are the exactly. norms, these are the rules, these are the boundaries that we're all going to use yeah. to make sure that we're all be effective with our time as well. Right. I love that. That's great. Hey,
1: and you know, trust, it's all about relationships. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, there's a, a very, uh, popular, um, Social media posts, been very variations of it, but it's this idea that Maslow before Bloom, and that's kind of an educator's inside thing. But it's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, Maslow talked about what are our needs as humans. Bloom talks about what was called the taxonomy of learning, how we learn Well, what we've learned as educators is we can't get to the taxonomy we can't get to the uh, the real work of educational until first relationships are good yes, and yes. and this is true in leadership it's a true in corporate environment. if relationships aren't healthy we're not going to get the business done at least not in a sustaining way mm-hmm. so uh, this is, it all comes down to let's ensure that we're good. And when we are, then we can work and be far more productive together yeah. of what we're doing.
0: Yeah. It also makes me think of just effective communication as well. So you and I, because once again, we, we quantified or measured what the word trust meant. But if you're talking and I'm not, you know, my mind drifts or uh, I'm not fully giving my attention, well, you're going to pick up on that. And then it's like, well, maybe James isn't really paying attention to me. And all of a sudden, then your internal narrative will start to talk. And then all of a sudden, mine's like, well, wait a minute, Dr. Toby's not paying attention to me. (laughs) And all of a sudden, we create this disconnect. So I think it also goes back to having really effective communication when you dialogue or when you speak. Because in doing that, to really read the nuances, to really understand the words, And if you don't understand something, there's nothing wrong with saying, "Doctor Chevy I, I don't understand that. Could you clarify that for me?" Because right. once I have that clarification, then ah, okay, now I'm on the same page with you again, and that will really right. instill that trust again.
1: Have a training session on listening, and and there's lots of books out there too. And there's there's some great resources, um, but it's one of the the courses that I love to teach because it it was transformational for me uh, years ago as as a as a young. Um, Mm. man when I was uh, leading uh, an organization for the first time, and I I realized I wasn't listening well. And so um, developed um, uh, an acrostic for the word listen uh, that helped me remind myself as I was in a meeting to be active and engaged in Mm -hmm. the listening. Um, And it was transformational. And because what's a way in which you can best communicate to someone that you care Close your mouth, make eye contact, <laughs> yeah. and listen. And yeah. and it and it and it's huge. What it and what it will do for people. People need others to listen. Um, they certainly do. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Communication is not just about talking. Yes, uh, exactly. you, you know there, there's that old thought about you know education, like what I grew up in. Uh, was this idea that, oh, if teachers were really good at transmitting information, right, if they were good talkers, uh-huh. good presenters, children would learn. Well, what we've discovered is, no, they don't. In fact, they forget most of what is given to them through a transmissive um, uh-huh. uh, production. Uh, in fact, uh, there have now been, I believe, we're up to four studies that have shown that a high school graduates in the United States from public school, within four years of graduation... Uh, only retain 3 to 7% of the content knowledge received during the oh four gosh. years of high school. Yeah, That's well, really w- what's that? <laughs> it's really depressing for <laughs> those of us that, that were high school teachers. Well, it's because there was a focus and has been a focus traditionally on, on content, 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 transmit, mm. transmit, prep the kid to take a test and move on. What we've learned is no students learn and retain knowledge when they discover it. And this is why project-based learning or problem-based learning is mm-hmm. so critical. It's no, it helps, to, we, as teachers, we should be guides for self-discovery like of the learning. And when students yeah. discover the learning, they retain it, they hold it forever. And that's lifelong learning. But that takes a, a whole different approach to instruction. Um, and um, and it, again, it's, it's not just about being able to articulate the sure. content or the message, it's how do we inculcate that into, in the student's case, into the learner, into the employee's case, how, how do we mm-hmm. engage them in the conversation, in the problem solving, so we're not just, you know, just not just bulldozing them.
0: Sure. The experiential aspect of it, I can understand that. The the, the, the yep. information's crystallized. In other words, it, it really solidifies in their brain after they've really exactly. done the experiential aspect of it, which is absolutely amazing. Unfortunately, our time is up, Dr. Tovey. If my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase this amazing book, which I highly endorse, Trusted, The Bridge to School Improvements Improvement, where will they find this information online?
1: Well, they can find it on Amazon, but they can also go to trustedbook.org.
0: Excellent. My listeners also know that if they cannot find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at JamesMillerLifeology.com, and I'll link you with Dr. Toby. Thank you so much, Dr. Toby Travis, for being an amazing guest on my show today.
1: James, thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today.